Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders, Withambrook Industrial Estate, Gransom. For all your steel needs, call their friendly experts. Size is important, apparently, although, as we know, it's not everything. Why is it important when it comes to seeds? The laboratory study proved that that principle of bigger seed would deliver that objective. Uh, it proved to us that that, that was um, something that we could confirm scientifically. We'll hear about a recent study into the matter, an upcoming farm open day and a really important consultation for the pig sector. This is an absolutely pivotal moment for us as an industry and we really need to make sure that our voice is heard. Plus some timely agronomy advice, especially if you suffer at the hands of black grass and the week's markets and weather. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Steve Orchard. Hello, hope you've had a good week. I'm Steve Orchard. Firstly, a date for your diary. The postponed Back British Farming Day is now to be held on Wednesday, the 2nd of November. Stick it in your diary, get involved and see nfuonline.com for details. We'll talk with the NFU a little closer to the date, but we ought to get started backing British farming now. After all, if we don't, how can we expect others to? And a little bit of good news, rates of bovine TB have continued to decline across England and Wales. According to the latest figures published by DEFRA, total animals slaughtered due to a TB incident in England from July 21 to June 22 decreased by 20% from the previous year. In a couple of weeks, there's an opportunity to see what goes on at the Eagles Lab Farm at the University of Lincoln. There's an open day coming up and Michael Jordan from JRH Water, one of the companies taking part, is here with the details. Michael, firstly, what is Eagles Lab Farm? It's Barclays Eagle Lab, so it's through um, Barclays Bank and what they are is a agricultural um, innovation and agri-tech side of their business. So what they do is they help and promote businesses who are in the agri-tech industry. Okay, and what do they actually do at the farm? They test um, new products, new innovations, and basically help develop agri-tech. Um, mostly with startup businesses, but also with some established businesses as well. But they're there solely to uh, drive forward agri-tech. And what's actually going to be happening at the Open Day? What can we expect to see? Well, it's going to be um, a celebration of um, Barclays Eagle Lab's two-year anniversary being at Lincoln. And what's going to be there is a mixture of agricultural, what I would call traditional businesses, so uh, builders. There's going to be um, us there as JRH. There's going to be solar um, energy businesses there. Um, there's also going to be a catchment-sensitive fire to speak to people. Uh, and also mixed in with that is going to be the agri-tech businesses that are being supported by Barclays Eagle Labs. Um, and it's just going to be a day of um, celebrating them and also celebrating um, agri-tech and agribusinesses in the Lincolnshire area. And what's JRH Water's involvement? Um, what we do is the, the rainwater harvesting on the farms, which is um, sees a, an agri-tech and an agri-sustainability um, um, side to farming. And we've worked with um, Barclays for well over 12 months now. Um, and we've even installed um, rainwater harvesting at Rise Home Campus um, to support other agri-tech businesses with things like growing strawberries, growing crops and things for all their testing. So we're sort of involved over both sides of the Barclays business, really. OK, excellent. So when is this? Where is this? And where can we go for more information? It's going to be held on Thursday the 13th of October 
Um, it starts at 7 a.m. and finishes at 1 p.m. You can come at any time between those times and have a, a wander around and see what's going on and speak to everyone who's there. Um, it's going to be held at the, the Rhizome Estate campus for the University of Lincoln. And if you want more information, um, best thing to do is to uh, contact JRH direct. Um, best thing is through the email address, which is info at jrhwatermanagement.co.uk. Uh, and we could send you a link for uh, signing up for the day. All right, Michael. Michael Jordan from JRH Water. Thanks for that. Look forward to seeing you at Rise Home on the 13th of October. That's great. Thanks for your call. Speak to you soon. Let's head to the fields now with independent crop consultant Sean Sparling. Morning, Sean. Lots going on at the moment. A little bit of rain this week and more than a little bit of black grass. Yes, morning to you, Steve. Really needed a few mil of rain, didn't we, this last week? So that little drop for those people who got one in the early hours of Friday morning will have helped. Not a lot in most cases, though. I got nothing really to even wet the bottom of my rain gauge, but I suppose anything was better than nothing. Well done if you got it. And I really could do with an inch or more of rain on some farms, you know, particularly because we're in mid-September and some of those farms are thinking about drilling wheat into black grass land. So we really need to get those fields a little bit damp just to stop them thinking about drilling. And as I said last week, black grass is only just starting to show in these stale seed beds, largely as a result of how dry it is out here, how dry it has been for the last few weeks. And just like some of the oilseed rape seeds that went into those dry, heavier land seed beds, the black grass seeds have well have been sat in that dust and they haven't even started to chit either. Now, this little drop of rain, if you were fortunate enough to get it, will probably set off a Serengeti effect in those more seed bed like stale seed beds. So, over this coming three to four weeks or so, as we start to get little drops of rain, we should start to see that first big flush of black grass come through. So the worst thing you could do at the moment would be to go and drill wheat or winter barley into a seed bed where you know there's black grass, go and get all those expensive preems on and then end up with that first flush of black grass coming up with the wheat or the barley. Anything which gets past your preem is pretty much going to be with you until harvest 2023 because the chances of things like iodosulfuron, mesosulfuron based products or Broadway or any other product of dealing with emerged blackgrass are slim to none. And it's also worth noting that pre-emergence herbicides are best pre-emergent within that first 24 to 72 hours of drilling. That's going to give you the best chance of success with all preems. So aiming to get your preem on within the first three days of drilling and preferably within the first 12 hours is absolutely crucial. Far better to make sure you drill a field, roll a field, spray a field on the same day really rather than drill blocks of lands and then risk being three, four, five days late because in these conditions with a bit of moisture underneath, which there is, soil temperatures still above 15 and still relatively warm days, both the wheat and the black grass and the barley seeds are all going to set off and chip within a matter of hours. And once those black grass roots start to move downwards and away from a late applied herbicide, rather than germinating within a herbicide layer that you got on within 12, 24 hours, you're going to be fighting a losing battle and you will never catch them. We are, of course, in the optimum window now for winter barley drilling from now until around the mid-October really but where fields have black grass whether they wheat or barley 
just leave them alone until the latter end of that, so mid-October onwards if possible. And as with black grass in every crop you can possibly drill, the only reliable herbicide we have to control black grass is glyphosate, so use it wisely. Hybrid winter barley drilling seed rate, you're aiming to establish around 200 plants per square metre, 250, 275 potentially for conventional varieties. That's established plants. So the losses are much higher in winter barley than they are in winter wheat, so do take account of that make sure you're calculating your seed rates based upon percentage field losses percentage germination of the seed thousand seed weight and and the likely soil and seedbed conditions at drilling so in black grass sites then just hold your fire until you've had a good flush of black grass and 500 plants per square meter or so minimum is a good flush then get your glyphosate onto that before you go drilling and just consider also another application of glyphosate if you get another flush before you manage to get the drill to the field then your preems these expensive preems have a chance of working wheat drilling seed rates if i had my way not just because of black grass but also because of the risk of barley yellow dwarf virus out there there wouldn't really be a seed rate guide for september drilling but from now to the 30th of september or so aim for establishing around 200 plants per square meter 175 on the kind of land in the first two weeks of october aim to establish between 200 and 225 plants per square meter second half of october increase that 225 to 250 or even 275 if you want to give a bit more competition to the black grass flufenicet of course still a key player for us when it comes to black grass control and grass weed control diflufenican added into that that will always increase if you've got crystal type products so flufenicet pendimethylin diflufenican just helps to increase the black grass control level as of course do things like prosulfocarb pendimethylin uh, picolinophen triolate aclonifen metribuzin in these mixtures now and of course the new synmethylin but do plan your strategy by field, both using the best actives and the timing of drilling, because these products, expensive as they are, are not magic. And I said last week, use get a drilling seed rate of between 35 and 40 mil and well covered to protect that seed. All seed rate, cabbage stems, flea beetles damage still widespread. Serious in places as well, as are the slugs. But all seed rate crops have put a bit of a spurt on over the last 7 to 10 days. And, and where you've got bigger plants with four leaves or more, the adult cabbage stem flea beetles, direct feeding is unlikely to cause them any problems but the problem we all know of course is that it's the larval damage from the current egg laying which we're not going to see until next spring is what causes the major problem now what is clear is that if you have a small crop and it's being hammered by cabbage stem flea beetle especially if you haven't put a pyrethroid on yet then a pyrethroid really is your only option so you have to hit those adults and that means late evening spraying or early after dark and the cabbage stem flea beetle activity of course slows down as the temperatures fall unfortunately the all seed rate growth does the same thing so do keep your fingers crossed slugs shouldn't be dismissed either keep trapping and as ferrous phosphate doesn't leave the dead bodies on the surface like metaldehyde used to regular monitoring is the key to your success now with broadleaf weeds in all seed rate you've really got either belcar or cleravo if you've got clearfield and just watch the dose rate of belcar on these small all seed rate crops quarter of a litre per hectare on a two leaf plant at most a split dose actually of another quarter of a litre a couple of weeks later works best on cranesbill cleravo applications from the one leaf of the crop up until nine leaves and don't of course use cleravo unless you're on a clear field variety grass weeds as well where the grasses are an issue which is most of my fields at the moment that first flush of volunteer barley has already been dealt with 
But remember, you can only use one FOP and one DIM in the autumn. Orgraminocides are ACCA's inhibitors, so you can only use two per crop. So if you did proper quiz of FOP, for example, early on, take out your barley volunteers, you can only go with a DIM like Clethodim or Cycloxidim for the second time. Centurion Max, which is Clethodim, by the way, from the four-leaf stage of the crop, and leave 10 days clear of any other herbicides before you put Clethodim on and 14 days after it. That minimises the risk of crop damage, which we see most years. Oh, also, sugar beet being lifted out here too, and don't forget, you've got a 32-month restriction on any following crops that flower if you use cruise address seed so no flowering crops 32 months after it's you apart from potatoes of course um that's it then i didn't get any rain to speak of well done to any of you if you did we soon need some to start getting this black grass to flush um and also because soon we're going to start going in this dry spell to people that are going to want to move those drills just that bit nearer and nearer to those black grass fields so we pray for a drop of rain to stop that for a couple of weeks the joys of being an agronomist let's see what the next seven days bring indeed see you next week that's sean sparling sparling agronomy services the farming program with our equipped steel stockholders with Umbrook industrial estate grantham supplying the region for over 40 years We've talked plenty about the problems facing the pig sector, one of which is perhaps the feeling that no one's taking any notice. DEFRA has launched a consultation focusing on the supply chain, which has been a real thorn in the side of the sector for some time. So, pig producers, now is the time for you to have your say. Becca Veal is the Chief Policy Advisor at the National Pig Association, the NPA. Becca, from the NPA's point of view, what are you hoping to get out of this consultation? The challenges industry has faced over the last um, couple of years is just not sustainable. So what we would like to see going forward is a supply chain that works for every party within it and it has an element of fairness at all those points. And by addressing some of the issues that we've experienced over the last couple of years, we believe that will make a huge difference for the sustainability of the pig sector. But obviously, this is only the first step. This is why we're really pleased that DEFRA did go ahead with a consultation. You need to lay out all the issues first and then start to explore how we resolve them. What are we looking for in terms of action following this consultation? What we hope to do is work with government over the next few years and all involved within the supply chain. Um, so as NPA, I mean, we don't feel that we should be dictating exactly what should be in a contract. However, we do believe that producers should be able to negotiate their contracts, which they're not at the moment. We've set out some key principles that we would like to see going forward. They include a fair and negotiable price, elimination of one-sided clauses, because there are elements of that at the moment, and the risk is carried disproportionately at the moment by producers. We'd like there to be an increase in negotiating power for producers, so they are able to negotiate their contracts. And really importantly, as part of that, we also believe there needs to be a dispute resolution service. So there is some kind of enforcement so that the agreements that are drawn up that are between producers and whoever their customer might be are fair. Building on that, what's really important is that we need to engage the wider supply chain. So this just isn't about how producers and processors work together, whether that be through a marketing group, another party or directly. It's about the other parties within the supply chain as well, for instance, retail and wholesale markets, because the relationships further up the supply chain really dictate the behaviours further down. So it needs to be done in a holistic fashion. 
All right. Now, it's important, I guess, on any consultation like this to get as many voices and as many comments heard. Who can take part in the consultation and how do they do it? Well, with any government consultation, it's open to absolutely everybody. So please um, get involved and put your your thoughts together in, in terms of a consultation response. It's open until the 7th of October. And we urge all producers to get involved and make uh, their response. This is an absolutely pivotal moment for us as an industry. And we really need to make sure that our voice is heard. And you can do that by heading to the DEFRA website or if you need a bit of assistance, head to the NPA website. Becca Veal, Chief Policy Advisor at the National Pig Association. Good luck and thanks for joining us on the farming programme. Thank you. So why is seed size so important? Nigel Day is the seed consultant for the National Association of Agricultural Contractors and is here to tell us about a recent trial which seems to confirm that it is. Nigel, how did you conduct the trial? So we started off with um, doing some laboratory studies. So we got two um, different uh, kinds of seed. We had some winter wheat and spring barley. And to uh, assess the effect of seed size on the growth, we uh, decided to do laboratory studies first and they planted them out into a growth medium and then basically assessed the speed of growth of the crop, how how vigorous it appeared with different seed sizes. They measured the size of the seed in terms of the 1,000 grain weight. Then they did the study over a few weeks and measured the growth. So that initially confirmed what we believed, that the bigger seed would produce a plant that is both bigger and more vigorous and, and would do it in a shorter time scale. So most farmers, when they plant the seeds in the ground, they want to see the seed come up and grow and cover the ground as as quickly as possible with foliage. So that's what we're aiming to help them to achieve. So So the laboratory study proved that that principle of bigger seed would deliver that objective. Uh, It proved to us that 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 was um, something that we could confirm scientifically. When do you think we'll know the yield results? Well, we have had the yield results for this year. And uh, they haven't actually shown quite what we had anticipated. We looked at the crops in the spring and there was definitely more ground cover with the bigger seed. And they did assessments of straw yield and there was more straw where the bigger seed was used. But this year has been an exceptional year with very, very dry, hot conditions. And so the thicker crops haven't necessarily completely fulfilled their potential. So... We were, we were a little disappointed with um, the fact that the yields didn't reflect the difference in, in growth habit, but we're going to be re- repeating the uh, trials again in the autumn of this year and the spring of next. And if we get a more normal pattern of growth with a more normal summer rainfall, then we uh, would anticipate that the thicker crops would produce a higher yield. But this year, because of the lack of moisture, it's kind of leveled things up a bit, which is unexpected, but it's you know what can happen in in farming and it is what can happen in trials but all the early indicators were there that there would have been a substantial yield increase from bigger seed had we had um, adequate rainfall. So we looked at wheat and barley does this apply to all crops or is that yet to be tested? Well it's yet to be tested it it, it is a sort of the conventional wisdom I think in the whole seed industry that uh, bigger seed is generally the preferred option so uh, the whole seed industry in the UK is geared up to uh, selecting seed on the basis of either size or density. 
And um, so most of the seed trade do reject the smaller seeds as part of their normal practice. Smaller seeds also are small for a reason. They, they may have come from a diseased plant of some sort, which hasn't been able to put resources into the seed size. So sometimes there's a reason why the seed is small. And if you do test seed that's small, generally speaking, it's got a higher disease level on it than bigger seed. Right. So is it possible at the moment then to specify a size of seed when you're ordering? Well, when you order seed, you're, you're purchasing in a crop that's been grown from uh, a piece of land that you don't have any knowledge of. So it's difficult to specify um, a specific seed size. I think most merchants would have a range of seed sizes. But I always recommend to growers that they should be a bit more specific when they order their seed not just to do it on the basis of, of trust entirely and to actually give the seed merchant some specification. It could be in terms of 1,000 grain weight or it could be in terms of the official certification procedure because all certified seed has to be inspected in the field and has to have a laboratory analysis. So a farmer who's really clued up might possibly put as part of his terms of purchase certain specifications for how the seed has been certified in the UK, we have a, a dual system. We have what we call the HVS system, which is the higher voluntary standard. That is at a higher level of, of purity and uh, field standard than it is with the what was the old EU standard. And most farmers don't actually specify when they order their seed that it should be of HVS standard. But I would suggest it's a wise thing to do because all um, seed merchants have a range of different seed qualities and they sometimes buy seed in from other merchants so if if you're a farmer and you want to buy the 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 better quality seed i would always say specify hvs when you make your uh, purchase thanks very much to naac seed consultant nigel day to the markets now there was no sale at louth last monday due to the queen's funeral so oliver chapman will be back with us next week on a report on tomorrow's sale open fields alice killam is here though with the grain market report good morning alice morning all well once again today we start with big news this time from you guessed it russia Earlier this week, a planned speech by President Putin ordered Russia's first mobilisation and calls to arms since World War II. The intent is to warn the West that as it continues to interrupt the exercise in Ukraine and the described nuclear blackmail, then Moscow would respond with all its arsenal. Moving west, French wheat remains in very hot demand, with the possibility of the Black Sea Corridor deal changing. This could trigger a surge in demand... Arguably, some comment that exports are therefore moving too quickly. Indeed, 50% could potentially be gone by the start of November. The buffer here is reducing significantly, proving harder to compensate for any possible issues on the loading out of the Black Sea. Moving away from Putin, the UK balance sheet may be heavily affected by the two ethanol plants on the Humber. Currently, Ensis is closed for maintenance and Vivergo are running at 50% capacity, taking roughly 30,000 tonne per month of wheat. The one thing to remember here is that cheap maize is unlikely to exist in a few months' time. If ethanol production picks up, then it will likely require wheat only, and imports are now expensive. Throwing another idea into the ring, and if you fancy being cynical, if the production of these plants in the future ceases to exist, for example, if the cost of production gets too expensive compared to the return price of ethanol, the UK could see a situation whereby we have a surplus of wheat. I have to say, though, I feel rather bullish to these prices at the minute. 
Putin was due another tantrum and he's proved before he isn't afraid to throw the towel in at a minute's notice. His intended recipients of the Ukrainian exports aren't receiving the grain. Even I must admit, in some ways you can see the argument. Grain coming into the countries that are opposing the conflict for Ukraine to then receive the cash to buy more weapons to target Russia. On the face of it, there doesn't seem to be a lot in it for Mr Putin. Malting barley values are unchanged, irrespective of movements in wheat futures. Brewers and maltsters are reluctant to buy any more barley until the January to June positions. Latest figures confirm that 2022 world barley crop has increased from 146 to 149 million tonnes, mostly so far in the Northern Hemisphere, with record crops of malting barley from Denmark, Germany, France and, of course, the UK, where many spring bolting barley growers have achieved yields of nine tonnes per hectare. Australia's crop is improving in potential all the time and Canada have replenished its stocks since last year and is now joining in the world export malting market, in particular China. Matif rapeseed has taken another hit, losing €35 between the 14th and 19th of September. Matif has since bounced but it's trading well off the highs and the four-month downtrend remains. Domestically, the market is stuck with no offers of rapeseed coming forward. Wheat hit highs of two months on Wednesday on fears of an escalation in the Ukraine war, but the market sliced gains as fears of global recession lifted the dollar and pressured the wider commodities. The threat from Russia is less of a direct risk to the oilseed markets as it is for grains. It all comes down to politics now in both Ukraine and Russia, which makes the whole complex hard, if not impossible, to predict. We can, however, be sure to expect volatility going forward. Prices this week, feed wheat, October 255 to 265, November 263 to 273, December 265 to 275, a pound carry per month on from here. Your milling wheat premiums are currently around the 40 to 45 pound mark. Barley, November 241 to 251, December 242 to 252, January 23, 243 to 253. For malting premiums, please speak to your Openfield FBM. All seed rate for this week, October 480 to 490 and November 482 to 492. Have a great week, everyone. Thanks, Alice. The Farming Programme. Five-day forecast. A mostly dry, mild, calm Sunday, followed by some low pressure bringing rain and cooler temperatures for much of the week. Brisk winds west to northwesterly for the first half of the week and highs of 13 to 15 Celsius. Calmer and a degree or two warmer towards the end of the week, but the light rain's likely to continue. Next week, we'll hear from the European Ploughing Champion, look at the NFU Young Farmer Ambassador Programme and look forward to Lincolnshire Day. I'm Steve Orchard. Until then, have a great week. The Farming Programme with Araquip Steel Stockholders with Embrook Industrial Estate Grantham. BSI ISO 9001 accredited.